those uh, living like Jesus, uh, following his example in our lives. And um, we talked so far about um, kind of modeling our lives after him. We talked last week about loving like Jesus loved. Um, there's a songwriter you may have heard of, Keith Green, back in the 70s. And I think he died in the 80s. Um, he said, I would have met Jesus sooner if not for Christians who led double lives. And um, that's often the case. And so we've been trying to look at how Jesus lived his life and how we can model that in our own lives and not um, be hypocritical or whatever. Um, we're going to talk tonight about everyone's favorite subject. We're talking about suffering like, like Jesus. Uh, but our main text so far has been 1 John 2, 4 to 6. It says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walks. So this lets us know that if we're going to say that we... Um, are in Jesus, we're following after Jesus, and we needed to walk like he walked. We need to follow his example. And there was a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, uh, I've preached from this, but uh, it said that Jesus would be familiar with suffering or acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53 and 3, it says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it as it were, our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. And uh, usually when we think about Jesus, we don't think about this. Maybe at Easter we do a little bit and then move on. But uh, so we're going to talk about this um, part of Jesus' life and the example he gave us. Um, but Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus' birth and said that he would be a man of sorrows or someone who was acquainted, acquainted with grief. He would know grief. Uh, and a lot of mainstream Christianity is, you know, be positive, good thoughts, um, feel good, live your best life now, that kind of stuff. And God wants you to be happy and all that. Uh, that's not true. Only part of it. Uh, but the truth is, there's a cost that comes with following Jesus. Or there, there should be a cost that comes with following Jesus. Christianity without a cost is not Christianity. The central theme to being a Christian, the calling of Jesus is what? Take up your cross and follow me. So there has to be a cross. Without cross, there's no Christianity. It doesn't mean anything. So the apostles, they willingly laid down their lives. Most of them, they gave their lives. Jesus gave his life. Um, salvation is free, but living for Jesus does have a price. There's, a, there's joy that comes from living for Jesus, but sometimes there's, there's heartache that comes too. Jesus was rejected by his own people, the ones that he created, the ones that he loved and protected, you know, took care of them, led them through the wilderness, all this stuff. He did all these things for them, and he, they rejected him. And he, sometimes, sometimes that'll happen with us. Sometimes family, friends, whoever will reject us because of what we believe. So true to prophecy from Isaiah, during his 33 years on this earth, Jesus experienced suffering of various sorts, so that he knew and he understood pain. Uh, just because he was God in the flesh didn't mean there was any 
divine anesthetic that could numb him, or that he used to numb himself from the pain. Um, just uh, before we get into anything, um, just to clear it up, pain does not equal sin. Just because we experience um, pain or suffering doesn't mean that we've sinned or we did something wrong or God's out to get us. Trying to teach us a lesson, or he's abandoned us, or, or whatever, like um, the Jesus sin. Hopefully, you know the answer to this. Anyone? No? Hopefully, okay. We got a lot of problems if we don't know that. Jesus didn't sin, but he still suffered. That's part of, anyway. So, if we're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, we're going to live like him. Um, I hate to break it to you, there's going to be times of suffering. So, there's three kinds of suffering that we can go through. There's physical, um, there's emotional or rejection, and then there's spiritual sort of suffering. So we're going to talk about how Jesus went through all three of these. So the first one, Jesus experienced physical suffering. We're not going to read it, but Matthew 27, 26 to 50 is the story of the crucifixion. Most of us are quite familiar with that, and so we know this one pretty well. Um, the scourging Followed by his crucifixion on the cross was the most painful and degrading form of capital punishment in the ancient world. Someone who was crucified would hang by the nails in their feet and hands and they would die from not being able to breathe. They would have to push up to get a breath and the, the, the nails and, and their feet and their wrists. And after a while they would end up just breaking their legs and put them out of their misery so they couldn't do it anymore. And that's how they would die. Um, but before that, Jesus was whipped and he was beaten. He had his beard ripped out. He was made to carry a cross in that bloody and beaten condition. They shoved a crown of uh, thorns on into his head. And one thorn hurts enough. I don't know if you ever dealt with rose bushes or anything. A couple of those is enough. Imagine a crown. There's a whip that they use. Um, the cat of nine tails it has uh, all kinds of sharp objects there's a, a preacher um, in the states and he collects artifacts and he's got a, his own cat of nine tails and this is pictures um, the, the whip is a, is a replica obviously the other one lasted but those are actual the things that they put on um, and that's one up close they probably would have been sharper back in the day but these are this is what he was beat with. This is what he was whipped um, with. And I know we know this one, so we're not going to spend too much time there, here. Um, but everyone knows that Jesus suffered physically. That's um, So uh, he also suffered, um, he experienced emotional suffering or rejection. Isaiah said that Jesus would be despised and rejected by men. That is considered worthless or not worthy of attention, ignored. Um, people took what they could from him. They took the miracles. They took the healing. They took the, the food when he was feeding everyone and all that. And then they turned on him um, and screamed crucify. And I don't know if you ever had, obviously not that exact thing happen, but just had people reject you or turn on you. Um, it's, not a, it's not a good feeling. I've had friends, you know, who try to take a stand on the right thing and cut you off, reject you. It's not doesn't feel good. Um, but the Bible says in John 1 and 11, he came into his own and his own received him not. He, they didn't even know who he was. And that's 
God hurt. God himself comes down to save his people and they don't even recognize him. He suffered uh, a spiritual suffering as well. Unknown to you and me, we don't really know what it's like, but Jesus was sinless. Hebrews uh, 4 and 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And 1 Peter um, 2 21 to 22 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who did not sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He says, He suffered, he left us an example of how we should do it, uh, how we should follow him. So he was sinless, yet um, God made Jesus, the one who had no sin, um, become sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 3 made um, him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he took, he took our sin. You know, um, we preached on Sunday twice about this sort of thing. He took our sin. Um, the only way that Jesus could die, sin is what brings death, is the only way he could die. <laughs> He sacrificed himself for our sins. He took on our sins. He never sinned, but he took ours um, and took it to the grave. And so the question is, how did Jesus respond to suffering? Because we've got three different ways that he suffered. Uh, if you read through the, the, the Gospels, you'll see um, all he goes through. But So how did Jesus respond to suffering? Understanding how Jesus responded to suffering and living like he did will revolutionize how we respond to suffering in this world. So like our Savior, um, although you know, no doubt to a lesser degree, we are familiar with suffering at some level, some aspect of it. Even my children have experienced some of these things, which isn't fun to watch. But... Uh, we live in a, a world that has been affected by sin and the curse that comes with it. We suffer physically, um, relationally, or emotionally, and, and mentally, in all these different ways. And so how are we supposed to take the suffering and how are we supposed to react to it? If we're striving to be like Jesus uh, or to walk in his footsteps, how do we do it? It's one thing to say, you know, I'm living like Jesus, um, and it's another to know how to do it and to do it. So the answer I believe is found in Peter, Peter's writing in 1 Peter 2, uh, 19 to 23. This is the English standard, it's a little clearer. It says, For this is a gracious thing, mindful of God, and one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So it's like, if you just, if you sin, you do the wrong thing and you get punished for it and you endure it, what is that? That's nothing. <laughs> but when you do good and you suffer for it and you endure it, it's the greatest thing inside of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you might follow in his steps. We've been called to do this. And he says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, remember what reviled means? Being like verbally 
um, assaulted, people just yelling, degrading you verbally. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. So Peter says that Jesus gave us this example. And what does he do? He doesn't lash out when he's reviled against. When he's suffering, he doesn't threaten somebody else or the person who's threatening him. And he continues trusting himself to the one who judges justly, who is God. Right? So as our example, this is what Jesus has done. Um, so if Jesus is your example, we've got to follow in his footsteps. So the first thing, Jesus, we gotta, when he suffered, he never sinned. We already know he didn't sin, but when he suffered, it didn't cause him to sin. He never responded to those who hurt him with sinful retaliation. Pilate said he could find no fault in him. In John 18, 38, Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went in again and said unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Even one of the thieves on the cross declared that Jesus had done nothing wrong. He said if we, to the other guy, If we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. So it's a pretty big deal, as you know, to sit, well, it's one thing to say of yourself, oh, I haven't done anything wrong, because we all will do that. I didn't do anything. But to have someone else, multiple others, notice and say that as well, um, it means something. I mean, we already know that he didn't sin, but people notice that. Um, he never sinned, so that means he didn't react ever in the wrong way. So whatever way Jesus reacts is the way that we should. Um, sometimes... We want to react, um, the old eye for an eye, sin for a sin. You know, we tell our kids two wrongs make a or two wrongs make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right, but three do. No. <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right. We tell them that, but then when we get older, we seem to forget all the things we tell the kids. I don't know why, but that's what we do. For um, first reaction is, you know, I'll get them back. That's wrong. Um, if you're keeping score, that's wrong. The Bible says love doesn't keep score. You know, how dare they? What do they think they're? Um, most of you know. Before coming here, I worked at McDonald's. I was a man, a manager. Hard to believe, I know. Um, and I, I learned that people think they can say or do anything to you and it's just your job to take and this hasn't changed with this position either but I learned how to I learned how to anyways, do deal with it <laughs> McDonald's the higher you go in anything the more people think they can just say to you um, with no repercussions or whatever and it's not enjoyable Jesus, you know, he's God himself, no higher than that. He got pre treated pretty badly. But yet, in spite of it all, he never sinned, he never retaliated. And so, I know it's hard, but if he can do it, and he's our example, we've got a spirit in us, then with his help, we can, we can do it too. We can learn to, Jesus kept quiet. We can learn to keep quiet. Oh. 
I love teaching this stuff. It's already quiet. <laughs> Isaiah 53 and 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Even when Jesus was suffering severely, he never um, tried to protect himself. He didn't try to alleviate his pain um, by resorting to, to lies or deceit or trying to change the subject. You know, I don't know. He didn't like, why are you beating me? I got disciples. Go get them too. They're just as, you know, he didn't bring anyone else into it. He didn't try to, you know, get out of it by talking and um, he just kept silent. Matthew 26 and 63 before the Sanhedrin or the court um, with Pilate. Jesus answered him not a word. Matthew 27. Um, in James 3 and 2, it says, For we all stumble in many ways. It's true. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. So James says, If you can control your mouth, you're perfect. Because if you can do that, you can control the rest. If you can, if you can control your mouth, you're not going to be doing any other sin because you've got so much self-control, you can control the rest of you. Um, so keeping... <laughs> so what he's saying there, if you read between the lines, is keeping your mouth closed is a struggle. That's why James says that if a, pers a person can do it, then he's perfect. And obviously, we know that Jesus was, and so he did. But... Be, um, being perfect, sorry, being quiet and suffering is a difficult thing at times because you want to lash out. You're taken, you're taken, and taken. And you just want to, you want to blame someone. You want to point a finger, and it's hard, very um, difficult sometimes. Especially, um, you know, when it's someone, someone you know that's doing it, and you know stuff about them. You know, you know. <laughs> you guys have known each other for a long time and I'm sure somebody gets in your face all the things that you know that that person did start coming back and it can be hard to not say anything um, how easy would it have been for Jesus when they started saying all the stuff about him just to just lay out all of the sins of his accusers Right there in the open. He knew him. He could have. But um, he kept quiet anyway. Keeping quiet for us can be a challenge, especially when they push and push and push. Um, and that's, again, when we need the Holy Ghost working in our lives. Jesus kept quiet, and because of that, connected to that, he never retaliated. Um, very closely linked to the last one. All kinds of horrendous insults and things were, were hurled at Jesus. They called him a, drunk, uh, a drunkard, a glutton, a blasphemer. They said he was demon-possessed at one point. He was a deceiver of people, a uh, friend of sinners, and whatever. All these different things that they would say about him. And they were always calling him different titles and names. Um, and the religious people were the worst ones. They were the ones that were supposed to know better, and they should have recognized and knew who he was, but they were the ones that were often um, accusing him of all these things. And uh, if we could just be honest, which I say quite often, 
would be sad if I, I couldn't. Uh, I don't know if I should be up here. But I've been hurt more, I would say, by people in the church than anyone else. Not necessarily this church, but just in general. Um, I don't really know why, but I don't know. When it comes to, to ministry, it comes to living for God, it seems like. I don't know, people just, I don't know if it's because we know more about each other. Um, I don't know, but I've been blindsided many times, hurt and wounded, sometimes by leaders, sometimes by, by non-leaders non or whatever, insulted, accused, all kinds of stuff. I've gotten letters, emails, face-to-face, toe-to-toe confrontations. And I'm not, I know this is hard to believe, but I'm not overly antagonistic. Interpret that one. I don't think. I mean, I don't think I am. Maybe maybe you think I am. I don't know. I don't really go out of my way to try to start fights with people. Um, you know, get them angry or whatever. And I've had my share of this. So those of you that are more inclined to Ruffle and feathers, no doubt you have as well. But church folks can often be the most vicious and judgmental. They'll say something and then that has to be accepted by fact or as fact and never wait for the other side of the story. I know maybe it's because I grew up in this and this is mostly of what I know, maybe that's why. But I, I don't know. It's it just it's just a thing. It's it's not a good thing. Um, and that's what it was like with Jesus. All the religious leaders, they were the ones that were really accusing him. They were the ones that were really just saying awful things about him and just mocking him and all that. And even as he hung on the cross, people insulted him. In Mark 15, um, 29 to 32, it says, And they that passed by railed on him. That's the same as reviled. Um, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves of the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the king of Israel descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And so the people that were on the cross as well, or they joined in, and uh, you know, just imagine you're hanging there, pain, unimaginable pain. You know, take the worst pain you ever felt and multiply that. Dying for these people, dying for their their sins, and then they just start taunting you and mocking you, and uh, it's just it's just crazy to think about. But yet, in that moment, he didn't retaliate. He still didn't. And you and I may go through some different things in our lives. We may suffer many, many things. But if you want to walk and to live like Jesus, we're going to have to give up the desire and the urge to retaliate. Just uh, leave that there with you. And Jesus, because he didn't retaliate, he never threatened revenge either. Um, Jesus was scourged, scourged, Stripped, mocked, spit on, beaten, had a crown of thorns thrust on his head, 
And all of that was uh, undeserved suffering. And instead of threatening or calling down angel armies like he could have, he said in Matthew 26 and 53, Think is that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Instead, um, Jesus prayed, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And said, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted the ring and cast lots. Jesus is the ultimate example of suffering for doing good. The key is that Jesus simply committed his cause to the one who judges fairly. And it was not just um, a grim resignation on Jesus' part, but it was a willful choice he made. He chose to take himself and his painful situations and trust them to his Father as an example for us. Um, sometimes we retaliate and we... It goes along with a couple of the other things we talked about, keeping our mouth closed and stuff. Um, and it makes it worse. Ever notice that? When I was a when I was a wee lad, I was in grade six, I believe. Grade six. I was still in elementary school. They switched it that year, and then I went to middle school, and they brought the grade six with us. But anyways, um, there was a kid that lived next door to me named Jason. And it was like we had that kind of relationship where there's no other kids around, so you play together, but you really don't like each other, you know. Um, and his family was different than ours. They were, well, we were church folk, I guess, and they were, I don't know, often intoxicated, and they were just, anyways. This is a rough neighborhood we grew up in. Um, he used to just bug and torment and pick and pick and pick um, all day. And it was like a Friday, um, Friday afternoon, I think it was. And he was just at me all day. In the middle of class, he just kept picking and the teacher wasn't doing anything because that's what they did. And I just turned to him and I said, you're dead. <laughs> After school. And everyone heard it. And everyone's like, oh, I'll fight, because everyone loved to fight. It just came out, I, I never really fought before. This kid, he knew how to fight. And um, I opened my mouth and I said, the, I said things that I should have said. And then I was like, as soon as school's over, I'm, like, I'm going home. But he lives next door to me, so we're both going the same way. And everyone gathered around as soon as we got off the school property. Fight, 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 fight. And I'm like, well, I'm not. Anyways, we ended up fighting. It was fun. <laughs> and then the next day we walked to school together, because that's how it was. <laughs> but I opened up my mouth when I should have just let it go. School was almost over. I could have got home. Could have just, but I came out. That was a fight my brother. He, like Jason, Punched me first, just rocked me good. And my brother jumps in, flying out of nowhere. And then, I don't know what happened. I survived. Somebody grabbed my brother and took him out. I survived. I mean, might have been a little bloody, but we got, we got through it. I never said that again, though. <laughs> I learned my lesson. 
I don't know if I lost or won or we tied. I don't really know, but I can't remember. So I probably lost. But sometimes, sometimes that happens. We just say things, right? Things just come out of our mouths. We just retaliate. We say things. And it always makes it worse. Um, Mark Noel used to say, it's one thing to act like a Christian. It's another thing to react like one. So a lot of times we react poorly, we retaliate, and um, we threaten, and it just it just makes it worse than it than it needs to be or needed to be. And so instead of um, seeking to alleviate the pain Jesus was feeling, he took his pain. The Bible says to the one who truly cared, um, to as an example of what we should do. We know that that's you know, God. First Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all care on him, for he careth for you. Rather than seeking to take justice into his own hands, Jesus, as an example to us, he puts his faith and trust in the one who judges righteously. Genesis 18 and 25 says, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, is God not going to do the right thing? We mess it up every time we retaliate. Every time I've said something in anger, it's never gone well. It's always made the situation worse. Um, and it says a lot about our character and where we are in our maturity as a Christian when we don't do that. Even though Jesus had the power and the right to retaliate, he's... God, he chose not to, and he was sure his father would do the right thing at the right time as an example for us. Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so... What about you and me? We're all so familiar with suffering. Um, and suffering is a sad reality on this fallen, sin-filled planet. Um, being honest again, <laughs> some of the pain we experience is deserved. When he, Jason punched me in the head, that was my fault. I deserve that because I made a threat I could not back up. <laughs> Some of the pain we experience is deserved as a result of our own choices uh, and pursuits and inability to control what comes out of us, comes out of our mouth at times. But still, there are times when we undergo suffering that we haven't asked for. We didn't do anything to, to get that. Um, we experience physical, emotional, or relation, relational suffering through no fault of our own. Um, just because we live in a world filled with fallen people as well. Has Jesus called us to be Christian Stoics or people who feel no pain? Do we um, Christians have available to us some sort of spiritual an aesthetic that dulls our pain? You know, do we just have a grin it and bear it attitude and bottle it all up inside? 
Or are we supposed to, you know, praise the Lord anyway just by acting as though the pain doesn't affect us? Um, should we live by the code, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? Which we say would leave everyone blind and toothless. Um, those can be very appealing options when we're suffering unjustly or we didn't bring it on ourselves. The answer, however, is to live like Jesus by tracing his example. The word example in the Bible, in the New Testament, it means, um, it means writing under. Uh, it was writing put under a piece of paper uh, on which to trace letters, like a pattern. They would use it and they would copy it, and that's what example was. That's what example was. Like when kids are learning how to read, or not read, how to learn how to write, and they copy your, maybe you do little dashes with dots and they connect it, and that's how they learn to write. That's as an example. Um, and Jesus is the pattern for Christians to follow. You know, in, in our life, with everything, but and in suffering with perfect patience. We respond to our suffering by following in Jesus' footsteps and entrusting ourselves and our suffering, like he did, as our example, to our Heavenly Father. First Peter 4 and 1 says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So have the same mind that Jesus had when he was suffering. Our Father is all-knowing. He knows all about our pain. Our Father is all-powerful. He's able to deal with our suffering. Our Father is all-wise. He knows the best way to handle our difficulties. And nothing that we go through is wasted. Everything is used to make us more like him. Romans 8 28 to 29, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So all these things work together for good to make us into his image. He's molding us to be like him. So our father is all loving. He cares about us. In our trials, and our Father is always with us. Hebrews 13, 5 to 7. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So no matter what it is that I face, no matter what someone's trying to bring on me, what suffering they're trying to give to me, they're trying to pile on me, I can face it. Because God will never leave me or forsake me. That's a good promise. The Bible says, Psalm 46 and 1, He's a very present help. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. When we're going through something, He's there. And He's, he's present, He's able to help. And so, we need to entrust ourselves and our suffering to Him because He knows best. More verses for you. First Peter 2. Sorry, 4 and 12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. That verse just cracks me up. It's like, don't think it's strange that you're going through something, as if it's some weird thing that's happening. Why are you, why are you acting like this? Don't think you're supposed to go through things. 
so don't think it's strange. Uh, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Uh, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory. Spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. On that third part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. And then verse 19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So if we suffer um, because of our faith, we suffer because we're following Jesus, and the Bible says that you can rejoice. That means you're doing something right. Um, the world hates you, he said. You know, the world hates me, they're going to hate you. If the world hates you, that's a good, that's a good sign. Um, just to clear that up, some people... <laughs> oh man, I don't know how to say it. Some people aren't nice. We'll just be very centered. Some people aren't nice. Some people are rude. We call themselves Christians. Some people get angry at everyone. Um, and, uh, and sometimes that's reflected back to us. And it's not because we're a Christian in that case. It's because um, we're just... <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good word. We're just not being very Christ-like. Sometimes we go out and we stir everyone up, get everyone all fired up, and then they give it back to us. Oh, I'm being persecuted. No, you're, you're just reaping what you're sowing. Um, we go online and we start fighting with everyone, liberals and whatever, doing the whole thing, and then, oh, I got mad at me. Oh, because I'm like Jesus. No, you're not. You're just being an idiot. Don't be like that. If, um, if, if we're living right and we're following after Jesus, and that brings some sort of suffering. If you, if you stand on the right side of truth, if you stand on the side of truth, the only side of truth, if you stand on the side of truth, and people cut you off, and say, I don't want anything to do with you, and people start attacking you and your character, that's fine. You're standing with Jesus. It's going to happen. You know, when you come into this, people are going to say things. People are going to, you know, I've talked to you before about Things that happened at our uh, church in St. John, how there was a divide. And people were just throwing stuff at each other, you know, verbally. They might have thrown physical things, but it was just, he was trying to stay with Jesus and let them say whatever. And those of us that did made it through, and those that didn't, um, didn't. And so in that sort of situation, you can rejoice because you're doing the right, you're doing the right thing. Made a mess of that. Hopefully, it made sense. Um, those who suffer as God wants, or because God has allowed it, or according to the will of God, should trust their souls to the faithful Creator as they continue to do what is right or good. And that was First um, Peter four nineteen. Just kind of explained a little bit more. Um, but if we're following in Jesus's footsteps, or we're living like Him, that means that we too must commit ourselves and the pain and suffering experienced in this life to him who judges righteously. Instead of just you know, taking matters into our own hands, we put it into his hands. And we entrust and endure. 
This is commendable before God. First Peter 2, 19 to 20. So don't sin. Don't try to deceive someone. Don't try to retaliate or threaten revenge. Instead, the Bible says, bless and be blessed. First Peter 3 and 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. You know, if someone lashes out at you verbally, don't give it back. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. This is what we're called to do. Want to be called? Everyone wants to be called by God until you get to these verses. This is what we're called to do. Bless instead of retaliate. Railing for railing means insult for insult. Instead, bless and you will be blessed. Um, uh, there's a guy, a preacher. Um, I like to think he's a friend of mine, but I don't know if he's, he'd call himself a friend. An acquaintance of mine. Um, used to preach our youth um, weeks and stuff when I was growing up. So he's a couple years older than me. But um, preached a message called The Power of a Blessing Tongue. And I think, um, I think we might listen to that a couple weeks from now. Um, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good message. It's about how when God tells us, or Jesus tells us to bless, and when we start doing that, there's things that happen, there's things that change in our lives when we start doing that. And that's what he's telling us to do. We don't, we don't need to run our evil for evil, railing for railing, but instead, blessing. You know, bless those that despitefully use you and all that. Bless those that hurt you. Pray for those. Pray for your enemies and all these things he tells us to do. Um, that's what we're called to do. We're called to do a lot of things. We're called to pray and worship and live a life of holiness. We're called to give. We're called to follow and all these things we need to do. And all of them are important, but we're also um, called to bless people who insult us and not retaliate. And that can be very, very difficult for some of us. <clears throat> and I, I learned how to do it a little bit, you know, like I said, working at McDonald's where he yelled at literally every day over something. He used to say to the other managers, if nobody called and yelled at you, that was a good day. <laughs> Which is sad. <laughs> Didn't matter what it was. Um, just, <laughs> I can tell you all kinds of stories of the way people treat those that work um, these types of jobs. Um, <laughs> my favorite was one guy just swearing at me on the phone. Then he got so mad. He drove down. Like, I, I should have been off. I shouldn't even answer the phone. But the other manager wasn't doing her job, so I answered the phone. And he just lost it on me. And I, I'd worked, I don't know, nine hours, and I was tired, and I wanted to go home. And I probably wasn't as polite as I should have been. And it was like, 11 o'clock at night or something. So he drives down in a fit of rage. And he's yelling for me. And I was like, almost ready to go. And he said to me, you're not as ignorant. Oh, wait, what did he say? And we were talking, I was, I was talking to him. He said, you're not as ignorant as you sound on the phone. Which is the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. But uh, you learn how to... For the most part, you learn how to keep your cool in those types of situations. I'm sure you guys have had your experiences with people as well. But you learn how to keep your, your cool. Um, but it's hard not to retaliate when people say things like that. They just 
just try to remember that it's not you they're mad at. For the most part, it's someone else. It's something else. They had a bad day or whatever. But Jesus, um, Jesus will do what is right in his own way and in his own time. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says he, he will comfort, he will console, he will give us beauty for ashes. We preached that a little while ago. Beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so we need to trust him and live like Jesus lived and follow his example. Don't, you know, don't lash out and all that stuff. You're not, you're not less of a man or a person if you don't retaliate or fight back. You're being like Jesus. We need to stop trying to be the tough guy. Well, I told them, oh, let it go and let God work, let God move. Uh, retaliation helps no one. If you're hurt and you're upset or confused about something, um, you know, the church. Um, don't go complain to someone else. That doesn't help, it just spreads the issue. You know, we feed off each other. We blow things out of proportion. And then someone else is upset and they're lashing and grumbling, murmuring. Jesus said, pray for them. That's what we do. If someone's annoying you, pray for them. Some of us, we're going to be in prayer for a very long time. Pray for them. If someone's getting on your nerves, pray for them. It'll change your whole attitude towards them. It's really hard to hate someone that you're praying for. It's really hard to be angry at someone that you're praying for. And don't grumble, don't complain. Um, Philippians 2 and 14. I kind of went off a weird spot at the end here. but Do all things without murmurings and disputings. And then John 6 and 43. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. And so, um, grumbling and complaining when things aren't going our way isn't the best way to deal with it either. Um, go to the person if you got an issue with them talk it out and pray and then pray and then pray and then pray and then when you're done praying pray again and then pray another time and pray some more <laughs> that's how we get through things without prayer uh, it's just our flesh our carnal carnality um, we'll just end up fighting over foolish things and complaining over foolish things. Uh, but with prayer, we move forward and um, God works through us. And if someone hurts, let God, someone hurts us, let God deal with it. He knows best and pray, pray and pray. And then pray again. And just about everything, <laughs> this is gonna, this is your like revelation to take home. Just about everything can be solved with prayer. Did you know that? Hurts can be healed through prayer. He can take pain through prayer. He can take the frustrations. He can give us peace when we pray. All these things that are brought on by suffering, if we pray, uh, it's going to really help us get through it and help us to be more like Him. If we want God to move, um, we need to let Him in. We need to invite Him in and Live like him and draw close, and we do that in in prayer. How many times in the Bible did Jesus go away to pray? Two hundred. I don't know if that's the right number. That's a lot of times. 
Whenever something happened, Jesus went away to pray. He heard about John the Baptist passing away. He was his relative. And he went away and prayed. That's, a, that's another example. When we're going through something, keep that line open with, with God. Keep that prayer line open. And um, let him work. Let him help. Give it to him and trust him. Does that, I hope it, that made some sense. Hope. I hope. I can't even speak right anymore. Well, I'm done for now.